Yeah, what's up? Can we talk? Absolutely. What do you guys want to talk about? Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dad Talks. I'm JT Zrodnik, and thank you so much for joining us again. This is uh, episode four of Dad Talks. If this is your first time joining me on this podcast, I would suggest pausing right now and going back just um, to the very beginning, to the intro, so you know what's going on because it's building up uh, throughout each throughout the season, just like you would have any sort of TV series to where jumping in the middle, you're going to be lost a little bit. And especially with today, with what I'm going to share, you're kind of going to go, whoa, wasn't ready for this. So uh, for those of you who've been joining us the last couple episodes, welcome back. Thank you for being a part of it. And as always, we're going to just jump right into our topic. Um, but I will warn you that this is a heavy topic today. Um, and if you aren't quite confident of crying in public, then I, I would just pause and go hide in your closet. Um, man, this, this, I don't know, maybe the most important episode in the season may, I just, I don't want you to miss it because, you know, I've shared my heart in, in, you know, earlier episode, just sharing my legacy. This what's been handed down to this is what I am currently in. I mean, this, what I'm sharing is a few months old. I mean, it's still pretty recent stuff, uh, that I am, I'm processing through. But as I've always, as I said from the beginning with dad talks, this is raw. This is open. This is man. If, if we are going to do anything to change the dad culture in America or just dads, like we got to be honest. And so, Hey, this is about as honest as you can get. And so I'm not going to hold back. So what's in it for the listener? So I've talked about, right, the legacy that was handed down to me, again, in hopes to encourage you of going, did you have a good legacy handed to you, a bad one? What do you do with it? And this legacy, I'm going to focus on the the legacy, your own legacy, a beginning to look at you of what you've been handed and what you're going to do with it. Right, beginning to deal with the legacy you're handed, and and thinking about the legacy you're handing to your kids. Because in the next episode, really diving into um, what is legacy and how we can build, you know, for the future that idea. And so, I just want to share a, a story. Um, so there's a there's a whole men's series. Uh, it's called the No Regrets Study Series that that a church put together, and it's it's great stuff. I've done it twice with my church and um the the series that this book uh, this is coming out of the book is it's a building a home not just a house so anyways here's the story it says a, a study was done years ago of two men who lived around the same time the study was done to see the effect a father would have four generations later so the first study man's study was max jukes he was an atheist and lived in new york during the 19th century Throughout the course of their lives, the Jukes family cost the state $1.2 million and made no contribution to society. Of Max Jukes' 560 known descendants, 100 were alcoholics, 50% of the women in his family line became prostitutes, 300 died prematurely, and 100 were sent to 
prison for an average of 13 years. Okay, that's the first guy. The second man studied was Jonathan Edwards, who lived in New England around the same time as Max Jukes. He was a strong believer in God who became a prominent preacher and vowed to spend each day with his 11 children. All right, let's just pause there for a second. Dads, if you think you're struggling with three or four kids, maybe even got five, let's go with six. 11, 11 kids, that's insane. So Jonathan Edwards had 729 known descendants. Again, he had 11 kids, so there's a lot. 300 were preachers. 295 were college graduates, 100 were missionaries, 100 were lawyers, 80 held public office, including one vice president of the United States, Aaron Burr, 13 U.S. senators, one state governor, three big city mayors, and one U.S. comptroller, 75 military officers, 65 college professors, including 13 college presidents, 56 physicians, including one dean of medical school. Again, it was all about the legacy they handed down. And so share that, yeah, just as we get into legacy and beginning to think about what we're handing and not to just be like, oh, man, I come from this family. This is what Destin is. No, stick with us. Stick with me. Get to the next episodes and beginning to say this is how we break it. And so this is this is my legacy, and this is... Again, like I said, I, I hope I, I my heart is to share my heart to encourage you to say, man, if you've screwed up, there's there's hope for you. So let, let me just jump into that. So as I'm sitting there in in prison, in jail, I'm asking the question of why. Why is it taking hitting rock bottom before I finally decide to admit I need change? Right? I'm going like, what have I done? What 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 is gonna happen? Because as I've come to believe over the past I mean a lot of my life, but even just the past year, you have to break down all the walls and get back to a solid foundation before you can rebuild. Right, it'll never work to simply paint or remodel. All the while, you have a faulty foundation, right? If if you if you want to flip a house, and go, you know what? We're just going to do the typical things that Chip and Joanna do, and just we're going to paint it, you know, some lights, ship lap, blah blah blah. But you don't spend any time on the foundation that is just completely rotted and destroyed. It's going to look great. But it's not going to last. And that, that's the same. That's the idea for us where we have to begin to break the chains that we have to just get rid of everything and get to the foundation and begin to understand what is the foundation we're built on before we can build on it. And so for me, God had to completely break me. So I would give up my pride and my control this false idea that we as men have, and, and women can have it too, but I'm talking to us men, right? I've got it all together. I don't need any help. I'm a man, right? I'm a man's man. I've got it figured out. I can do this on my own. If I just try harder, I will succeed. Right? I mean, how many of us have said that? 
I'm okay. I've got it all. I'm, I'm, it's all together. And some of the times we truly believe that. We think we have it all together, but we haven't spent the time to actually process through that and actually think about it. Of going, yeah, I've got it all. I've got it all together. Oh, man. Right? Episode three, we talked about this idea. Ask that question, right? Do, do we have to experience pain in order to grow? All right? Do, do we have to go through pain in order to grow? And so this, this, again, is me being transparent. This is me learning with you. Because I'm asking this question myself. Do we need pain in order to grow? Yes, a hundred percent. But I don't think God is just trying to teach us something, but is helping us unlearn something. All right. So there's this guy you may have heard of him, Oswald Chambers. Um, big deal in the Christian world. If you haven't, um, go check him out. Super smart guy, and he wrote. There's this tiny devotional but i mean it's lasted for years and so many people have used it it's my it's the title is my utmost for his highest here is a quote he has in that book this is what he says he says it is not true to say that god wants to teach us something in our trials through every cloud sorrows and suffering he brings our way he wants us to unlearn something His purpose in using the cloud is to simplify our beliefs until our relationship with him is exactly like that of a child. A relationship between God and our souls and where people are but shadows is our relationship to God becoming more simple than it ever has been. Right? And so focusing on that first line is that he wants us to unlearn something. God, and again, I know some of you may not believe in all of this, but this this is my story, and this is what I believe to be true, I think, for all of us, because some of us are just going to push back against say, I don't want to be part of it, and I think God has been pursuing some of you, but you don't want to admit it, right? He, he has to break down the scaffolding we use to prop ourselves up to where it's just you and him, right, to where you're, you're just faced with with nothing i mean that that's that's what this past year has been in my life the amount of things that have been taken away from to, away from me to where i am just nothing right i mean i've lost my marriage my ministry and my job my kids i mean i, I get them but half the time right all these things that gave me identity is gone and not that all any of that's bad stuff, but I used it to prop me up to to put out this image of right this I have it all together and and, and he's just wiping that stuff out and saying, "Dude, you are ruining your life living this way Th- that's the idea of our trials right I mean it's the same as when we you gotta work out right I mean work out to break down something to build it back up better. That that's weightlifting 101. I have to break down the muscle so it grows into something bigger and better. But I have to break it down before it builds. I can't just go, right? It's hard work. It's it's terrible in the midst of it, but the results are so much better and that's just what 
God has been doing in my life of breaking the chains because I don't think I, I, I don't think I know I wouldn't face this stuff on my own because as I said I, th- I thought I had it all together because I think I mean there's two things right I think some of us are just oblivious of just pff, no idea what's going on and then when everything falls apart we're kind of shocked I would say that was me because you didn't pay attention you didn't listen to the warning signs that were happening going oh my gosh I've missed this I didn't allow myself to be open to this or to, to, to see this going on. I just completely oblivious to it. And, and then I think just some of us, it's, it's there, but yeah, we're just, we just struggle with it, right? Of just, we're pushing back or we don't want to, we just don't want to have to do the hard work to, you know, put in the hard work to actually see some results. We're just like, no, thank you. And so I, I had this thought as, as processing through it, you know, thinking about dad talks and, and, and it, it just blowing up, right? And I'm on some news station talking about it or whatever. I, I don't know. Okay. Let me dream. Okay. Let me my dream. But I just had this, mad, you know, this thought and, you know, so let's say I'm, I'm doing some, you know, primetime show, news show, whatever. And they am having an interview, and they bring up the case that I just mentioned of why I'm in jail. You know, and and I, and I begin to think about cancel culture, and right, and how they bring up the past to try to like destroy people with it. And and there's a whole bunch to cancel, and I'm not going to get into that baloney because I don't have time for that. But I was like, you know what? I don't need to be scared because that is the epitome of dad talks is we're going to screw up, but we're going to move forward, right? Like, yeah, I screwed up, and I it was a learning experience. I've learned from it and moving forward. I think I think the issue is if you fail and you just sit in it and don't do anything with it, then, like, that's a true failure. But if saying, man, I, I didn't have the tools in order to succeed, I've, I've learned from it and moved on and, and begin to move forward because... That's also what Christianity is all about. And again, I know some of you aren't into Christianity, but I do believe you're into grace, right? I, mean, I think everybody's into grace. Grace is not getting what you deserve. Or, or Sorry, grace is getting something you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve, right? Grace is getting something you don't deserve. It... it the whole idea, it's, a, it's admitting that you screwed up, but refusing to be defined by it or stay in it, right? If I am defined by my past, then there's no future for me. There's no hope. And if my past defines who I am, then what's the point, right? There's no redemption then. There's no second chance. And, and, and as I continue with it, like, there's no, there's no Bible, I mean, there's really even no history if you want to go that way. But there's no Bible because if you look at the Bible and you look at the Old Testament and the people in there, they screwed up all the time. You look at a guy named David who is it's said of him was like a man after God's own heart. And holy cow, that dude had some issues. And you look at Abraham, like who... 
wouldn't even stand up for his wife because he was scared of someone. Like, I mean, there's just all sorts of issues. It just messed up. Right? And you could have the Gospels, which are the stories about Jesus, because Jesus never screwed up, right? He was perfect. But then you just got to forget the rest of the New Testament because it was written by people who screwed up. Right? So there's there's Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, his one of his disciples, who denied Jesus three times. Was like, I have nothing to do with that guy. Like, and not just denied, like cursed people. Saying, no, I've got nothing to do with that guy. But that didn't define him. It was actually redefined, right? God used those those three denials to, man, to, to give him the, an amazing ministry after that. And that, that was his ministry of like, I know what grace and love is because I've been shown it from Jesus because of what I've done. And then you've got this guy named Paul who was killing people, killing people who wanted to follow Jesus. Christians is what, you know, what they call him. He was killing people. Then his life is radically changed. Then people begin to try to kill him. And he's trying to save the people that he was killing before. Right? I mean, it just, it's incredible. That's what gives us these amazing stories. And you can't go back to the past to change it. Right? You can only move forward. And your dad may have been the biggest pile of crap or maybe you as a dad, you have made some really bad decisions. Big freaking deal. Move on. Figure out now how to how to move forward and, and redefine. Right? It, it's not to say we excuse what we've done and just oh, oh give let me off the hook. No. I screwed up. But instead of saying, this is a mistake I made and just being stuck in it, saying, I need to learn from this. Of saying, how do I avoid doing this again? What, what tools do I need? What do I need to get? Right? Because that was one of the things I got in my counseling. Right? Begin to redefine mistakes and failures as learning experiences. And not to say we never make mistakes. And I'm not getting into that. Like, yes, I make mistakes and failures. But beginning to change your mindset of saying, yeah, did I fail because... I didn't have the tools that I needed, or was it because I failed to learn from it, right? But you're still, you can learn from your mistakes. Like, that's where we learn the most, right? We don't learn, we don't pay attention, and when we're succeeding, that goes back to where we're like, oh, I've got it all figured out, and oblivious to it, because there's no intentionality, because we think we have it all figured out, we think we're all good, and then it just is, it's gone, Right, And so if you've made mistakes, as I said, move on. You did the best you could with the tools and knowledge you had at the time. Right? It's, it's this example. I can't, I, can't not, I can get upset, but it doesn't make sense to get upset at my three-year-old when she can't spell her name because she hasn't learned that yet. And that's not a failure. It's a learning experience. And that's the same for some of us to where there's things we don't know because... Our dads didn't teach us, and that's not to play the victim card. I'm like, oh, well, if I would have known. 
some of the things just happen. You go, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know how to deal with this or how to process this because, yeah, I. <laughs> no one taught me this. I'm learning it now. And so, yes, we will fail, and we will make mistakes, but we have to change our perspective. We can either shame ourselves into inaction for failing. And I've done that. Oh, man, you want to talk about shaming yourself for stuff you've done. Like, well, you know, this learning experience, clearly I'm not learning it because I'm doing it again and again and again and again. Give yourself some grace. Right? So we can shame ourselves into inaction for failing or accept that we have failed and decide then to take action and learn from it. Right there, there's that quote: "You're never out of the fight until you take yourself out of the fight." Right, it's not over until you decide it's over. So back to that question: Do we have to experience pain in order to grow? Yes. Sometimes I believe we do. I mean, can you grow without pain? Absolutely. Right. I mean, you, it's not painful to read books. It's not painful to go to conferences or have people teach you things. But I think the painful experiences, and that's that's really why I believe that quote that I said at the beginning, it's not necessarily to teach you something. It's to unlearn something so that you can start fresh with something new, right? Because it's... it's you, if you've been doing something for so long, it's a habit. And it's going to take time to get rid of that habit to build forward to get a new one. And you're going to fall back into your old ways because that's just the way your brain is. So it's going to take some pain to get it because a habit, right? I mean, there there are things you don't notice. My kids have tics and you got to, you know, do some things say, hey, you don't even notice you're doing it, right? And you kind of have to shock them to those habits, right? And that's the idea of some of us are just going like, I I don't know what I'm doing. But part of it, I think, and this is true for me, this, I mean, I don't know anybody else, but to where, like I was saying, I like to have control and I like to be in charge because one, I mean, I'm, I'm a perfectionist. But I like control because then I think, you know, my life is okay because part of what I realized that like growing up with a life that was out of control and if I could control me and those around me, then like life was okay, right? And if I can control this situation, I'm okay. But once it gets lose control, man, you just, you're, it's bad. And I see it in my daughter now, in my oldest, she's exactly like her dad. To where if someone isn't doing what she wants or just you don't have that control or you see her feeling life begin to get out of control, she gets out of control. It's, it's that response to it, of that illusion to where, man, if I can just control things, I'm good. But you're never going to be able to control everything because there's so much. And, and that, that goes back to the lesson I've had to, oh man, I, let me share this, right? I said at the beginning, you got to experience pain to grow. And I said, I ended up in a, in jail for 
what I did. And I remember sitting in that jail cell and I felt like an absolute failure. Absolute failure. And I thought I would never get to see my kids again. I, I thought that was... Sending them off school this, that morning. That was it. That was the last time I was going to see him, At least for several years. And, and it wasn't even... I mean, it was then, but it was after the incident where I was. I had to make some changes in my life. I had allowed the pain and anger not to control my life, but exposed the illusion of control that I had in my life. This incident came, I'm sharing this not to excuse my behavior. I take 100% accountability for what I've done. And we've all had really bad days. It's not an excuse for what I've done. But putting it in context, right? So 2020, as I've shared, right, was a horrendous year just in general. Even if your life was fantastic, it was just terrible with the COVID pandemic. You have that. You add on top of it the dissolution of my marriage, of being separated from my wife of, what was it, 11 or 12 years at the time. The pain and anger you see in your kids as they can't figure out what is happening. The change, the loss of your ministry at work to where you get a different position, sure you have work, to where then now you're realizing you're no longer going to be at that church, you're, you're done, your time is up. So you've lost your marriage, you've lost your ministry, your job, your kids as I said, I've lost just about everything. Now, I've got my health, I've got money, you know, those things are okay. But some of these huge things are gone. And there's just, and and this is coming up the week after having to stand in front of the congregation and say, I'm done, and share like, I'm why I'm done, why I'm leaving, what is happening in my personal life, and the impact that it's having in front of thousands of people. And it's on the, it's online. Right? I mean, just, just to give you context, I'm not making an excuse of just saying, understanding for a guy who thinks he had everything under control, watching it all crumble and just go out of complete control. Because it was exactly what God was doing. And this is why I believe in it. That I had to experience pain. That he was saying to me, son, you have got to give up. This, use good words, baloney idea that you are in control because you are not. And even if you think you have control, it's going to destroy you because you can't control everything. Right? I cannot control my kids. I can't control my ex-spouse or anybody. I can only control me and how I respond. But even within that, there are things that are going to happen to me that I can't control. So I have to learn to care for me and take care of me. And understanding that the best way that my life can have 
quote unquote control is to give up complete control. That's it. So on that day when I lost all control and lashed out at one of my kids, not for anything he did, but for months and a year of just crap coming out of my soul because I was just pissed and didn't know what to do with it. And as soon as it happened, going, oh my goodness, you have got to get help. Knowing that the last piece of scaffolding has fallen to the floor. And that's the moment that God was like, dude, you need help and I've got you. That's why I want to do this because I don't want any other dad to experience that. And I don't want any dad to get to his son's graduation in high school and say, I've completely missed it. I've wasted years and now he's gone. I don't want what I have that there is there's some guy that's my dad that's missed out on so much of my life for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. Guys, our kids are way too important for us to sit on our butts and do nothing. Our kids are way, the the future is way too important for us to sit around with our freaking pride to say I'm okay or to sit around and be lazy pieces of crap saying I'm tired from work or I've done, get off your butts and get with your kids. We have got to change or it's just, we're going to continue the crap that our our parents have handed down to us and we're going to continue to watch the crap that is going on in our culture. If we don't get up and decide as dads, we are going to fight back. We are going to stand up and say, this is what it means to be a good dad. We have to do the hard work to get healthy so that we can be the kids, be the dads our kids need and want. Is it a lot of pressure? Absolutely. But that's what you signed up for when you wanted to become a dad. And you go, well, that's not what I signed up for. I just wanted to have sex. That's what happens when you have sex, right? You don't get that. That's, oh man, that's a whole nother soapbox. You don't get the privilege of having sex if you're not ready to commit to what comes from that. If you're saying, I want to be with this woman, then I have to also commit to what is going to come from it, right? It is hard work to be a dad. And dads have to be healthy and cared for themselves. Am I saying you got to be perfect? No. But you have to begin to understand what you're handed, what you're doing, and what you're going to hand off to your kids. Legacy is now. It is about the small choices. It's about the day-to-day choices, not the big ones. Yes, the big ones will impact legacy, but the small choices get you to that big one. Legacy is really the sum of all your habits. What you do now echoes eternity. Boom, Gladiator. Fantastic movie. Get me pumped. I'm going to go watch that. I'm out. That's what we're going to be talking about next episode. How to begin to develop healthy habits so you can be the best dad for your kids. This episode, what do I want you to do with this one? Do the hard work. Do the hard work. Look back at the past. Begin to think about what you were handed. 
and to begin to look at yourself and saying, man, is there something I am using to prop me up <coughs> to make me something I'm not? Or I mean, it may even just be sitting with yourself and say, it's just time to be honest with myself of saying, yeah, I've, I'm just completely unintentional with my kids or I'm wasting time or I'm just, I think I have all, lives all together, but it, it's not, it's just an illusion. I, I don't know what it is. I, this is just, dads, you need to go sit and do some hard work. Go sit, ask your wife, say like, the question I've asked, how am I doing as a dad? Ask her again. Ask your friends. Go sign up for therapy. Get some counseling. Work through your stuff. Seriously, counselors everywhere. You can get it online. Just sign up and say, hey, I don't know what I've been handed. I need to process through it. I don't know. Do whatever it takes to say, I want to be the best dad that I can be for my kids. And I'm going to do whatever it takes for me to get healthy so that I can be the best version for those kids. Because they deserve it. Thanks again, guys, for listening. Um, I Yeah, I'm sorry if this one got... I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry that it got deep. I hope you feel convicted, but I hope you also feel inspired and knowing there's another dad that has screwed up, maybe even more than you, so there's hope for you. So thanks again for listening. If you're listening to this on Spotify, I'd appreciate just uh, to follow us. That pops us up on the al- algorithm, gets it going. If you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts, subscribe so you can get uh, be notified when the latest episodes come out and if you've loved this episode or any of them feel free to please leave a review that helps us helps me with the algorithm push us up there on the charts not because i need everybody to know you know like oh look at me but it pushes it out to more people and have a bigger reach to where guys i there's a lot of dads that need this and i know us dads aren't the best at being sharing things and i don't even know if you probably had to have your wife show you how to get some of these things. Let's be honest, right? <laughs> Most dads just don't do it. But if you could do some of those things, it'd be great. Share it on your social media or ask your wife to share it on hers because uh, you may not have social media. You may not even know what social media is. Uh, so that's awesome. Anyways, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next episode.